Welcome to the Pokes Podcast, the official podcast of the College of Arts and Sciences here at Oklahoma State University. I'm Erin Weaver, CAS Communications Coordinator. Today we are joined by CAS Assistant Teaching Professors, Drs. Katherine Wineland, Melissa Mills, and Eric Howerton. These three have been working with Payne County inmates to help them prepare for the high school equivalency test. This interdepartmental collaboration is helping inmates earn the equivalent of a high school diploma for the first time at this facility. So we'll just jump right in. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Um, we'll start with some intros, let the people get to know you a little bit. Catherine, you want to start? Sure, I'm Catherine Wineland, and I'm a teaching associate professor in the psychology department. And I'm Melissa Mills, and I'm a teaching associate professor in the mathematics department, and I'm also the director of the Math Learning Success Center. And I'm Eric Howerton. I'm a teaching associate professor in the English department, and I'm the interim director of the technical writing course. Awesome. Well, thank you all again. We're here to talk about a really awesome program with the Payne County Jail, um, partnership between OSU, Payne County Jail, and Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. Can you just give me a quick, broad overview of what the program is and kind of how you all got involved and got started with it? So, yeah, so the program started, well, the idea for it started several years ago um, when a friend of mine had, um, her son was incarcerated and he had not graduated from high school. So and this was several years ago, but I uh, just called Captain Lane sort of out of the blue and said, hey, can I come teach high school courses at the jail? <laughs> and he was like, no, we already have someone doing that, but I'll keep your number. And so I was like, okay, so I didn't hear from him. And then in April of 2022, um, he just called out of the blue and said, hey, the person we had teaching is no longer doing it. Are you still interested? So I said, sure. So I met with him and um, Naomi, who's the program's um, specialist there, and um, it just kind of grew from there. Um, So the purpose of the program is um, to really empower the female People, the people who are incarcerated there who are female um, to help them to earn their high school diplomas while they're incarcerated. Um, about 60% of the Payne County jail population um, has their high school diploma, about 40% do not. And that's compared with 8% of the Payne County population that does not have their high school diploma. So there's a pretty big difference between the general population and the community, that 8% that doesn't versus 40% inside the jail that doesn't. And so it's a a big deal. And so the program is there to help them um, really gain confidence and then to really, like I said, empower them with their high school diploma. Wonderful. So Melissa, how did you kind of come to be involved with it? Oh, yeah. So um, when Catherine just texted me out of the blue and asked, um, but really it was a, a kind of a answer to a journey that I've been on for a long time. So um, there's a documentary called College Behind Bars. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really powerful. And then there, um, a book that I read, Francis Sue corresponded with uh, inmate and helped him get a degree in mathematics. And so, um, and then just knowing individuals in my life that have been incarcerated. Um, so it's been something that I've really been thinking about for a long time. And so when she texted me, I was primed and ready to go and excited about being, being part of that. That's incredible. And Eric? I believe Catherine contacted the English department and you were recommend. My name was passed along to you by another professor. Um, And then Catherine emailed me uh, and I was I was really interested from the get go. As soon as I got the email, I thought that it was a great opportunity, um, you know, to give back and, Mm -hmm. and to help our community. 
It is. It's an awesome. I mean, we've talked about the land grant mission and what OSU is about. This is an awesome route to to kind of fulfill that empowerment and giving back to the people of Oklahoma. It's a meaningful use of our resources for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's always, um, it really strikes me how you can be on campus and there are there are so many resources here and so, I mean, so much education, yeah. you know, and then you drive five minutes and it is a completely different world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think to be a land grant mission and to be good stewards of our resources, we need to take care of the people around us. And that includes the people of Payne County and our community members who are incarcerated. And we have we have so many resources here at the university. So how could we not reach out and empower people five minutes down the road from us who really need it? Mm -hmm. And we have all of the extension offices across the county and yeah. they focus on agriculture primarily, but this is an awesome way for, I mean, College of Arts and Sciences, we're so diverse in our backgrounds and what mm -hmm. we focus on. I mean, we've got psychology at the table, math at the table, English at the table, and that's not even to include the other faculty members that are going to be joining you guys here coming up this um, August. Mm -hmm. I guess it is August, but... Um, coming up here pretty soon from other departments. Um, do you have any, who, who's joining us? Do it, what other departments? Um, political science is joining. Um, um, history is joining. Microbiology. Yes. We have a couple of grad students in microbiology that are gonna help. And then we had several from the mathematics department last year that ha that helped. So it wasn't just me. So right. there was, um, so there were, I think we had four or five from the math department that helped out. Yeah. So. There's been additional interest in the English department mm -hmm. as well, um, both with faculty and graduate students. A lot of it is just finding the opportunity because there's really only two sections of the high set prep course that mm -hmm. um, English department faculty would be would be prepared to teach. You know, but I've talked to people in other in other departments too, like uh, geography. You know, and mm -hmm. those professors are interested too. They're like, how do I get involved? You know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of interest even in you know, in departments where you wouldn't think that there was necessarily like a one-to-one -one correlation with the subject of the test and their uh, their preparedness or their field. And I think it's good too with the arts and sciences because it is, there's so many different areas <laughs> within the college. And so, you know, I mean, someone from geography, you know, could teach in a different subject, you know. So, I mean, I've even taught science. We were just talking before this. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, so you really don't have to have a graduate level understanding of the subject matter and so and there's also curriculum and there are guides that are provided to the volunteer faculty and graduate students and so um, you know it's kind of nice because you can also dip your toes into an, an area that maybe you wouldn't get to teach on a on a normal basis and um, and I met with um, the department heads for um, history and political science over the summer, and they're both teaching social studies this fall. And I kind of expected them to be like, okay, well, let me find someone else who might want to do this. And they were both like, oh, no, we're doing it. Like, put us <laughs> on the calendar. And so that's been a really cool thing is just, you know, the more people, and you all, Eric and Melissa, have had a similar experience of you mm -hmm. talk to people, and they're just really excited to get to be on board with it and a part of it. Well, and it's it's a, it's not a really a high bar for participation. Yeah. Um, there's some training because you need some training to be able to go into the jail. Right. And then the actual class sessions, we're doing five sessions for each subject. Yeah. So, you know, in the math department, we already have three volunteers. That's plenty to cover five class sessions. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not a it's not a big 
commitment on the part of the faculty, but it can make a big impact. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even even the commitment itself, I think the re- the payoff, the reward is mm-hmm. almost immediate because oh, yeah. I added an ex- a sixth class to my course just because the students seemed to need it, and then we did a. Uh, a refresher class. The the was it the day before or the day of the exam? It was either the day before or the day <laughs> of. Yeah. You know, but there were several students who, um, you know, had gone months without having any sort of English direction, and they had questions from having taken the exam uh, and maybe not passed the first time. So, you know, I wanted to go in there and and just ask them directly, what questions did you not feel confident about? You know, mm-hmm. I think the essay is a big sticking point for some of them, and so you know, we just we just went over the the process for how do you write an essay? What's the structure for an essay? How can you really tackle this problem, you know, in 10 to 15 minutes? Because the time is very limited, and that essay section is folded in with a bunch of multiple-choice questions, too. So, you know, we talked about prioritizing the questions and maximizing your score based on your own strengths. And they all passed after your sessions. Good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) That's great to hear. So tell me a little bit about the test, what your knowledge is about the test. What... They take the five courses leading up to taking it, and you know what is the test like? How did you? How do we? This is the first time that they're. I guess is my. I'm getting back to this point. They are. This is the first time in Payne County that um, inmates have been able to get their high school diploma while they're incarcerated. So how did we get here? You know what's the process like to get the facility certified for the test? What is the test like? I guess the test itself has five or the program has five subject areas. It's social studies, math, science, language arts, reading, and then language arts, writing. And so originally when we started the program, um, it really started just with the courses. And so um, I reached out to another person in another organization in town who um, is certified to do the paper testing and they just weren't interested in moving into the jail, but it's fine. Um, And then Catholic Charities, my friend Robin, was the volunteer coordinator for Catholic Charities and at the time did their high school test just within the community. So so Robin and um, Captain Lane and Naomi and you mm-hmm. were all met together. Then Catholic Charities said, well, we think we want to be involved with this. Let us start checking with our board because it had to be approved with their board of directors. And so for the first semester, we taught the classes and we gave them a post-test, but it didn't really count for anything. It was just to make sure that the classes were working Mm -hmm. and their post-test scores were much higher than their pre-test scores. So we knew that the class, that you could, you could learn the subject in five weeks. Yeah. To be able Mm -hmm. to pass a test. So that was good, and that helped convince um, the Board of Directors for Catholic Charities when we were able to show them our pre-test, post-test data from the semester. That really helped show them that, yes, these classes can work, (laughs) you know, in the jail especially. It's a whole new environment. And so um, they did work on their end. Um, At the time, the other thing that was happening is that the testing company was being sold. So the testing company was also not approving any new paper-based sites. And the paper-based site is really important because the jail is not set up to have um, computers or laptops. And to do a computer-based test, you have to be the only one in the room to do it. Mm -hmm. So the logistics of getting everyone to do it just didn't make sense. And so we had to have the paper-based site. But the testing company was being sold, and they weren't approving anything. And so we were like, well, so it was a whole lot of, like, two steps forward, one step back. We just really had to just keep teaching the classes and just keep focusing on the process and just really kind of hoping and stepping out on faith that the site would be approved. 
So we did all that really for the first semester. And then um, early in the spring is when I think we got the first indication from Catholic Charities that their, so spring of 2023, um, that their board of directors was going to approve um, the jail to be included in their program, the Catholic Charities yeah. program. And then after that, um, the testing company was finally sold and that whole deal went through. And then they were able to officially request for the jail to be approved as a paper-based testing site. So then it was approved officially mid to late March, I want to say, uh, from the testing company. So Catholic Charities kind of officially came on board early spring of 2023. They were able to then officially request for it to be approved as, an, as a testing site. It was approved in about March or so um, of 2023. And so then heading into Eric's classes late in the spring, it was really exciting because we were like, well, now this is the yeah. class you get to test for. And so, um, you know, we saw enrollment go. I mean, that's the inmates were very excited. They were very excited. Yeah. So when they first um, heard the news, when we told them the news that it was going to be approved, because it was kind of as right at the end of the first sort of section of language arts, right heading into yours. And so, um, you know, they were just they were really excited. I mean, they were emotional. They were just so um, it just gave them a lot of hope, right. which I think can be kind of hard to come by. Yeah. And so um, they were super excited about that. So that was a really fun day <laughs> to get to tell them <laughs> that it was going to be approved as a testing site. Yeah. And so um, then the people from Catholic Charities, um, Sister Martinez and then A.J. Um, Tierney, um, they travel to Stillwater from Tulsa um, on testing days. And so just because of the test um, security and right. the integrity of the exam and everything, they can't mail the test even. They physically have oh, to bring the test wow. to Stillwater. And so uh, we certainly appreciate Catholic Charities deciding to take it on officially. And then, you know, every time we test, it's a day to Stillwater for them um, just because of they have to physically be right. in possession of the test the whole time. So, mm-hmm. um, And there is a requirement that the people who teach the classes can't administer the test. Right. right. So we have to have a partnership. Yeah, even if we were approved as a testing facility, it would add in a whole other thing because we couldn't use the same volunteers to teach and then turn around and give the test to just preserve the integrity of the test. So it is kind of nice to have like a neutral third party to do the testing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a good partnership. So yeah, it's it's unique for sure. But um, it's all kind of fallen into place. And so it works. Awesome. Um, So um, you mentioned kind of getting it off the ground and running and, and your story that you shared with me about the Amazon donations. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> Melissa was there for all this. Um, so when we first started to teach the courses, um, or we were first thinking about the program, like we weren't like officially recognized by the university yet. And so uh, we like didn't really have funding or anything. So um, we're like, well, we need these materials and we're just kind of doing this program. Um, so in August of 2022, um, we needed curriculum, we needed materials right. and we didn't have funding yet. And so I just posted an Amazon wish list on Facebook and just said, hey, this is a new thing that we're doing. Um, here are the supplies we need. And like our friends from really all over the country, I mean, not everyone even lives here, just got on the Amazon wish list and purchased um, the curriculum. Sorry, I'm gonna uh, <laughs> just think about this. 
boxes just arriving from people who, you know, had never met these women and um, didn't have a personal connection, but just believed in the program. Mm -hmm. And um, so just seeing all these boxes arrive on my doorstep from Amazon of people just from all over the country um, who just believed in this program and believed in its possibility. Um, I took a picture. It's something I'll never forget, though. I just had piles of Amazon boxes (laughs) just of people donating our curriculum for the first year. And so it really meant a lot that um, our friends um, just really all kind of came together and supported this program at the beginning. I think it also really speaks volumes to the fact that um, you know, we know that there's a problem with, mm-hmm. uh, with rehabilitation mm-hmm. in the criminal justice system. And we're not the only ones who clearly know. Other people are clearly very aware of this problem. And so it's just really heartwarming to, to see that, uh, you know, even people outside of Oklahoma and outside of Stillwater are recognizing this problem and helping us address it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard enough these days to get a job with a bachelor's degree. So to come out of jail without a high school diploma and trying to get back to life, I can't imagine that kind of struggle. Melissa did find also some statistics that um, really shows that if um, people have their high school diploma when they're released, that their chances of being reincarcerated, those chances go down significantly. And so this really is a chance to help really empower them mm-hmm. so that they don't end back up in jail, so that they can um, go and get jobs and re-enter society in a productive uh, and positive manner. I think there are other benefits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that some of the women say that they are able to get time off of their sentences yeah. as they gain these uh, certifications. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I just found that um, it gave them the ability to work together with one another and share their knowledge with their fellow inmates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, and there were some in in the math class that said, "I've already, I already have my high school diploma, but can I just come to the classes? Because I really just want to." I want to learn and I want to help other other inmates. Right. And so I think that having giving them an opportunity to give back even to their fellow inmates was a, a, a really nice thing to see. Melissa, I'm really glad that you mentioned that about the people who have their diplomas still coming to the class because that's been a really cool thing to get to see is like the peer-to-peer tutoring or mentoring that happens. And that doesn't always happen behind bars. I mean, it can be a little bit competitive at times. And, you know, it's hard for them to be vulnerable, I think, in that type of environment. And so to see the incarcerated women really coming together, and even the ones who, like you said, have the diplomas already, still coming to class and helping to tutor and help their fellow inmates who are going through the class to earn their diploma, that's a really unique thing. And that does not always happen behind bars. And so that's been really fun to see that community of, of learners really uh, develop. Yeah. You're encouraging education in a space where it typically isn't. Mm-hmm. The other benefit, I think, for these women is um, just having getting a win in life. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of them have come from situations that are really difficult and um, haven't had a lot of opportunities. And, you know, if they have addictions of any kind, this is a t- opportunity where they are off of all of those things and can think clearly maybe for the first time in a while. Or maybe they're just out of their environment that they were in that was so difficult. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to get a win. And when they get that first step um, towards in a positive direction, then, you know, hopefully as they're out, they're able to get take more positive steps. Yeah, get that momentum behind them. Exactly. Yeah, I think getting the getting that the idea of getting the win is really important. Just knowing that there are people 
who support, encourage, and believe in you, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think is, is really motivating for them. Uh, a lot of them may have come from situations where they didn't have a great support system. Mm-hmm. You know, that may be why they're incarcerated in the first place. Um, and so I think f- for them to know that a, a perfect stranger, yeah. you know, wants them to do better and is willing to set aside their time and pull a seat up to the table for them, that's not something that all of them are used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that they are, are very thankful for. You can tell just immediately that they're very appreciative of mm-hmm. you being there um, and sharing your knowledge with them and just trying to help lift them up. Yeah. Another aspect I think that I wanted to mention is um, is the guards at the, at the jail um, are very supportive of us. And, and we know as we're coming into there that we're disrupting their daily schedule right. and that it yeah. is hard for them to, to be, um, you know, to have to move people around or lock doors in certain ways or whatever. And so, um, so we just really appreciate the support of the guards that have been there at the jail. And um, they, they care about these women and on all of the people there and uh, they know them intimately and they're able to give us advice and things that from an insider's perspective that has been just incredibly helpful and so we've really enjoyed of course Captain Lane and and Naomi but Mm -hmm. also the guards that are there on a daily basis um, have been really nice and and they sit in well they sit in with the on the classes with us and Mm -hmm. and there are times when they'll interact with the content as well and and be part of the conversation and so it's just been really it's been really neat and I think it's it's nice for the guards to be able to interact that way with the inmates Mm -hmm. they may not be able to do that on a daily basis so yeah it's fantastic I started having to make extra printouts for the the guard that (laughs) that would sit with me during the during the class because he wanted copies of the poetry he wanted to you know read poetry and analyze poetry with us he wanted to test his own grammar skills and see you know um, am I still sharp (laughs) you know so he so uh, the guard that 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 sat with us got printouts every day and participated as much as he could he was he was as invested as the students but of course he had professional obligations that would sometimes pull his attention away (laughs) (laughs) but it it has been really rewarding to interact with them yeah yeah so we mentioned the funding from your networks. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the CAS Community Engagement Grant. How did that come about? What is that doing for the program? So do you want to take this one? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm just afraid I'm talking too much. So I, I don't mean to. Um, so um, in March, uh, Melissa and I um, were, well, we got the email about the CAS Community Engagement Grant. And so um, because Melissa had um, kind of come along earlier and had done a whole semester, um, her and I kind of talked about, well, let's submit for this project and see if we can get some funding from the university. And so we um, submitted for the CAS uh, Community Engagement Grant and um, then found out that we had been awarded the grant, which is really exciting. So um, the grant is paying for uh, a portion of their curriculum, so no more donations from friends this year. <laughs> We're officially funded. Yes. Um, so uh, it's paying for a portion of the curriculum. Um, Catholic Charities also has contributed some um, curriculum as well, but the CAS Community Engagement Grant um, is paying for some curriculum, um, supplies, um, just at the jail, like new marker board and some of the right. jail safe pins. You can only bring in... Um, and it's just part of the security. You have to have a certain type of writing utensil that can't be used as a weapon. <laughs> so um, the grant's paying for that, uh, for part of that. A couple other things, but uh, we're really grateful for that. And um, hopefully 
when the grant is over, I mean, hopefully we can find a, a good way for the university to still um, continue to support the program um, in a tangible way. Yeah, That's awesome. You know, you don't even think about that, those kinds of things. You need, you're like you mentioned, the jail safe pens, and mm -hmm. you need, you, you can't just, well, I've got my box of number two pencils, and you, you don't even think like, oh, there's a whole set of supplies that you don't just like have on hand yeah. to, <laughs> to well, load up. Teaching is very low tech. Like we're yeah. not, you can't bring in a projector right. or a computer. There's no canvas page of videos for them to watch. I mean, it all yeah. is done, the instructions all done face-to-face -face with a expo marker board <laughs> and paper. Yeah. And so um, it's really fun um, to teach that way, but it also opens up some new supplies that you need. Right. And the, the thing that's, it's also interesting because, you know, there are, because of security, um, when you're teaching there, there's a yellow line that the, the instructors stay on one side and the inmates stay on the other side. Of course, we can pass papers and things back and forth, but, but you, there's adjustment that has to be done right. into the, to the new teaching environment. Um, you can't circulate around the room and look at what everyone's yeah. doing. And so, and it's echoey in there as yeah. well, which is another adjustment, but, um, but Anyway, I, I think the nice thing about having faculty and graduate students that have been educators for years is that they're able to adapt to new environments. And um, but it, you know, it does raise it, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's different than teaching in a. It's kind of back to basics teaching, like how we were all teaching ten years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no tech in there. You can't even bring your phone in. So yeah. it's just you, your papers, and some markers. And then your ingenuity and how can you engage the students. Right. I mean, even going back to when I was in college, you think the professor walks in, they set up at the podium with their projector, like you mentioned, and they can walk around, like you said, and get, I mean, sit down next to someone and walk through something. So these students are preparing for a test and you can't sit next to them and walk them through an equation or anything like that. So. Yeah. And they're all there. I mean, they want to be there, right. which yeah. is really fun to walk into that environment and, um, you know, no one's, they could stay in their rooms if they wanted to. Right. No one's requiring them to come out to the classes. And so um, to see them there, because they really want to be there and they want to learn the material. And, you know, like we said, some of them have even, obviously they're not testing if they already have their diploma, but some of them attending the classes already have their diplomas and they still just want to come and learn and engage with their, um, with their peers. And so that's been really fun to see. So one thing that Eric, you had mentioned was when you are teaching your courses, you have some dedicated time for poetry. Yeah, so um, actually Catherine had suggested that it might be a good idea to bring in some literature occasionally to read with the students. Um, I was teaching the, the writing section, so it was mainly essay composition and then reading an essay and, and, and catching another author's mistakes. But I just found that it was a really good icebreaker and a really good way to get their sort of like creative juices flowing, so to speak, mm -hmm. to start with poetry. And after a while, they started demanding it. There was a week where <laughs> there was a week where we just didn't have time for poetry because, you know, we're moving through the different sections of the lesson at such a fast clip. And we only have five weeks, and then we added a sixth week. But you know, there's one day where I, I just I couldn't I could not find ten minutes to squeeze the poetry, and then the students were definitely disappointed, mm -hmm. and they demanded that we start the next class with poetry. <laughs> um, so we did. I love it. And, and you know, the po the poetry is really it's it's really a beneficial tool. I'm mainly a prose writer myself, so I can't you know downplay the uh, the importance of of prose in my own life, but. 
Um, poetry, I think, made me a better reader and a better writer of prose. And I think there's also just a certain amount of like um, freedom in interpretation that the students really, really latched onto. Mm-hmm. You know, a poem within limits can mean different things to different people, um, as long as you're using the poem to justify your interpretation. Uh, and they came up with some really interesting, you know, interpretations of poems that I've been teaching for five, ten years that I had not encountered before. Mm-hmm. You know, so it might sound a little cliche and a little hokey, you know, but I learned something from them, right. you know, and they learned something from me. So there was a mutual exchange, and, and that was really beautiful. Did you bring a poem? Do you want to read one? <laughs> I brought several <laughs> poems. Um, but I, I, the poems that I brought are, are a little, are a little uh, more depressing, so maybe they're not great to read right now. <laughs> It's a little too early in the day. Not setting the vibe. Okay, no problem. That is something that I'm really glad you mentioned that, Eric, that um, it it really is a mutually beneficial relationship. And that's something I don't think that I expected is to um, be impacted by our students and um, to just kind of have just a different maybe level of understanding or appreciation because I think – you know, until this program, you know, I had never seen the inside of a jail. I mean, on TV shows or whatever, but it is not the same. (laughs) And, you know, um, it is, it's very, very um, impactful. And I think it changes um, getting involved in the jail and getting to know the people who are incarcerated there and not just by their, like what they've done or why they're there, but to know them as people and to connect with them as people and to hear their stories and um, to know just such an impact that an education is going to have for them. Mm -hmm. Um, It really, it has impacted my life for sure. And not that it's all about us by any means, but um, the opportunity to get to know them has been um, a mutually beneficial thing within the educational context. So what, I mean, you kind of touched on that with um, talking about your experience with that mutual relationship there, but what has your overall experience been like? Highs, lows, things like that? One one thing that's different about going to the jail is that we are volunteers at the mercy of whatever's happening at the jail. Yeah. So there will be days where I go up there and I have everything ready to go and they say, oh, they're repairing a toilet in the in that lock. You can't go in there today. And so you go, okay, well, I guess I'll come back next week. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so so there are some things like that that are just kind of outside of your control that are a little bit different mm-hmm. from uh, from that. So I, I would say that that kind of thing is a little bit of a low. Right. Um, but, uh, but as far as highs, uh, I mean, there are so many. I think we've mentioned a lot of things that are really impactful. Um, but, uh, but I'm just really excited this fall to be able to – have them take the math test for real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be really exciting for them to be able to do that. But even the the improvement that they saw from the pretest to the post-test last fall, mm-hmm. um, they did amazing they did. <laughs> <laughs> on the math. I, I, I don't um, – so they really, I think, just having that refresher right. was able to really make a huge impact on their ability um, in the mathematics, and I can't wait to see it on a real test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more highs than low. One of the complications, and I don't know if if this would be um, considered like statistical attrition, but sometimes we have a student who will attend, you know, several weeks of the course, Mm -hmm. and then they'll get released. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't actually get an opportunity to take the exam mm-hmm. um, in the county jail. If they stay in touch with us, we can offer the exam outside of the jail, which we, we, we do like to do and we have done. Um, you know, but that's kind of that might seem like a low for us, but yeah. it's a high for them because they're yeah. getting released yeah, and they're sure. going to get to return to their life. You know, so at that point, um, hopefully something that we taught them landed and they'll continue yeah. with their educational journey. There was a student on that note um, who actually didn't want to be released because she wanted to continue in the classes. And um, she was, like, really sad, actually, that she was getting released because she wanted to be able to stay. She was getting released, I think, like a week or two before the test. And she wanted to stay because she wanted to keep on doing poetry (laughs) with Eric (laughs) and to take the test. And um, so, you know, you hear those stories, and it's just like, ugh. You know, I mean, how could that not just break your heart and then make you want to get, find resources yeah. for them so that they can, you know, be successful? Because it shouldn't be where they have to rely on being incarcerated right. to have those opportunities. Yeah, the choice should not be, can should I stay in jail and receive an education or get released and maybe no longer receive an education? Yeah. Those are not yeah. great prospects. Yeah. <laughs> and those are bigger questions than we can solve at this table. But, you know, we know that we're at least a good piece of the puzzle in trying to empower them with education. That's a good ending, though, unless you have anything else. Well, we are still recruiting volunteers, Mm -hmm. uh, volunteer faculty and graduate students. Typically, it's about a two- or three-week commitment, would you say, for each subject Mm -hmm. area? For each individual. For each individual subject. Mm -hmm. So each subject has five weeks of classes, and then they test on the sixth Mm -hmm. week. And so... Um, if anyone is interested in um, volunteering their time, then they can certainly reach out to any one of us here. And I think the other thing to mention is we're currently offering these classes to women. Yeah. And the reason for that oh, yeah. is because at the jail, there is one pod of women and the other seven pods, yeah. I think, are men. Oh, wow. And so logistically, for us to be able to have classes for the men, they would either need to move all the men that yeah. are interested in the class into one pod or, you know, do some changing around right before the classes or after the classes, which is a, just a logistical nightmare for yeah. the guards there. And so um, that is something we would like to do in the future. And, of course, if we expand into offering classes for men as well, we'll need more volunteers. Right. So so I, I don't know where that is right now. I think we're for this year we're really just going to focus on offering these classes to the women, allowing them to take the test for real, mm-hmm. and then kind of see where it goes. But um, we're not ignoring the men. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. Uh, but but Oklahoma does have one of the have the highest rate, I think, of incarcerated women. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Yes. yes. And so so to be able to make an impact on women is, is huge. Mm-hmm. But we would like to be able to make the same opportunities available to the men. We just It's just a logistical question. And again, if anybody is interested, they, this is not a scary experience, right? Mm-hmm. The guards are great. They do a great job of ensuring our safety. And once you visited once or twice, to me it feels more like an inner city, like indoor pool. <laughs> you know, it's just lots of concrete everywhere. It feels kind of like a locker room yeah. uh, more than the, the, the prisons that you see on TV. Yeah. yeah. I've never once felt unsafe. The guards are with us the entire time. 
And then, you know, you do develop a relationship with the, a professional relationship with the people who are incarcerated there. And so, you know, they actually become really protective mm-hmm. of you. Right. And <laughs> for, the, for the people who are not involved in the class are, are usually on lockdown. Yeah. And so, um, so if there is a person who might be a threat, you know, the guards know that yeah. and they won't allow them to be part of the class. They, you know, so they, they're really professional mm-hmm. and have done a fantastic job. Yeah. And what I do, oh, go ahead. I was going to say mainly the main behavioral quote unquote issue that I had was just people being so boisterous in that space <laughs> that yeah. everyone's talking at the same time because they're so enthusiastic to participate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if, uh, if enthusiasm is the biggest issue, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we could use more of that on. <laughs> um, and then I will say too, kind of just going back to the men piece mm-hmm. of it. I was emailing yesterday with Catholic Charities um, to see even if we could start offering the testing to the men somehow so that that way they're only the jail's only having to figure out the logistics of moving them in once every six weeks, which is different than every week, and kind of trying to identify some men who could maybe study on their own with some materials and possibly just pass the test so that that way they're still offered the testing opportunity. So I think at some point this year, we're going to try to give that a, a spin and see how it goes. And incarceration rate for women um, in Oklahoma, it's actually a top five incarceration rate in the world <laughs> um, just for the state of Oklahoma. So um, it's definitely a good population that needs support. That's it for this episode of the Pokes podcast. Thanks to Drs. Wineland, Mills, and Howerton for joining me on the show today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OKStateCAS. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Pokes! I killed that. <laughs>